19th-century romanticism seemed irresistibly attracted to supernatural events. Magical happenings, ghosts, and witches abound in the literature and the music of the period, from Goethe's Faust to Wagner's ghost ship in The Flying Dutchman. But surely the most original and extravagant musical evocation of the weird and irrational is Symphonie Fantastique by the French composer Hector Berlioz. Berlioz was one of the great innovators of music, a true musical revolutionary who infused his compositions with intense emotion and imaginative elements. Years ahead of his time, both structurally and harmonically, Berlioz avoided conventional forms of 19th century music, such as string quartets or ballets. Yet he created masterpieces that reflect the Romantic era's fascination with the supernatural while indulging his own preoccupation with radical new structures and massive orchestral forces. Hello, this is Gerard Schwartz from Musically Speaking. On this recording, we will examine the life of Hector Berlioz, a life as colorful and dramatic as the music he created. We'll take a detailed look at his most famous work, the Symphonie Fantastique, as well as music from his epic opera, Les Troyennes. From its first stirring in the late 18th century, Romanticism found its most compelling musical expression in the work of German, not French, composers. Haydn and Mozart, for example, and later Beethoven, departed from their classical style to write music laden with emotion. Mozart's mature operas, Don Giovanni and the Magic Flute, give supernatural occurrences important roles, thus breaking ground that Wagner and other composers would cultivate later. All these themes were first addressed by composers of the Austro-German school. France, by contrast, was slow to give musical expression to the spirit of Romanticism. French composers developed a penchant for creating operas on grand historical subjects. None, however, have endured. The only French musician of the era whose work remains widely performed is Berlioz. It was Berlioz, along with the expatriates Chopin and Liszt, who made Paris the center of a new kind of musical romanticism during the second quarter of the 19th century. Berlioz was born in 1803 in a provincial town near the foothills of the French Alps, La Côte Saint-André. His father, a physician, oversaw his early education of classical literature, geography, and natural science. Literature was young Berlioz's first love, particularly Virgil's epic, The Aeneid. The scene of Queen Dido's death left a deep impression, and eventually it would inspire his most ambitious composition, an opera of truly epic scale. Berlioz also received instruction in playing the flute and guitar from a local teacher. Almost unique among major composers of the past several centuries, he never learned to play the keyboard. While his critics seized on this deficiency, Berlioz regarded it as a virtue. Rather than receive his compositional ideas from the piano, as so many musicians do, he developed the habit of conceiving melodies, harmonies, and sonorities purely in his head. This, he felt, allowed him to transcend the tendencies and limits inherent in keyboard instruments and therefore to free his sense of musical invention for more original possibilities. When he was 12 or 13, Berlioz happened upon treatises on harmony. After studying these, he composed a pair of quintets for flute and strings, which he performed with some amateur players from the town. These youthful works greatly impressed the neighbors who heard them, and Berlioz subsequently wrote a number of songs. He eventually destroyed all these juvenile compositions, though a couple of melodies from them were used in his mature works. One other incident from his childhood sheds light on Berlioz's character. When he was only twelve, he became infatuated with an eighteen-year-old girl from a nearby town, this puppy love entertained the neighborhood considerably, and Berlioz suffered a good deal of teasing over it. 
While nothing came of the boy's hopeless yearnings, the episode shows the susceptibility to female charms that would prove such an important part of Berlioz's personality. Berlioz's recollection of his own childhood suggests an unusually sensitive boy endowed with a powerful imagination and predilection for the poetic. But his father was determined that his son should follow him into the medical profession, and to that end sent him, at the age of 17, to medical school in Paris. Although the young Berlioz felt a strong antipathy towards medical training with its dissection of corpses and hours of memorizing anatomy, he had a deep sense of filial duty. And so he struggled for two years to fulfill his father's wish. But Paris opened a new world to the young man from the provinces. Before arriving in the French capital, Berlioz had never heard an orchestra or an opera, never encountered the work of any important composer. When at last he did, they produced an overwhelming effect that Berlioz described with a nautical metaphor. Imagine a young man who knew only the small boats on mountain lakes, he wrote, suddenly finds himself on board a three-decker on the open sea. Berlioz attended performances at the Paris Opera and found them intoxicating. He would sing melodies from the arias he had heard during dissection exercises at the medical school. Soon he took to studying scores at the library of the Paris Conservatory. This activity, as he wrote later, was the death blow to my medical career. Berlioz abandoned his studies and undertook private lessons with a composition teacher from the conservatory. Later he gained admission to the school. His resolve to devote himself to music precipitated an angry quarrel with his father, who reduced and eventually cut off his son's allowance. Berlioz endured years of financial hardship, but never questioned his decision. A life consecrated to music seemed, as he recalled, a path to supreme happiness, and he was determined to pursue it. Berlioz now began an arduous apprenticeship lasting through his mid-twenties. He found the conservative tastes of his instructors dismaying, and he managed to disconcert them with his audacious harmonies and melodic gestures. From the start, Berlioz sought startling and dramatic effects, and he was little concerned with conforming to the rules of textbook harmony. His independence proved costly. One of the venerable traditions of French music was the Prix de Rome, the conservatory's annual prize for students who excel at composition. It was a coveted award that bestowed on its winner a three-year residency at a Roman villa. The Prix de Rome was considered the essential first step in the career of any French composer. Gounod, Bizet, and even Debussy all won the prize. The conservatory's refusal to grant it to Ravel caused a scandal. To receive the honor, each fledgling composer was sequestered for a period of two weeks in which he was to compose a cantata for voice and orchestra on a text dictated by the jury. Berlioz competed unsuccessfully three times. Only when he deliberately suppressed his own inclinations and wrote in the style prescribed by the school's faculty did he finally win the competition. Berlioz's apprenticeship at the conservatory did not confine him to a colorless routine of classes and lessons. On the contrary, these years proved among the most eventful of his life. Despite difficult financial circumstances, he attended concerts and opera performances religiously. The word is apt in this case, for Berlioz considered music a kind of sacred activity. Performances at the opera, he writes in his memoirs, were solemn ceremonies for which I prepared myself by diligently reading and pondering the work in question. The works of Gluck, Mozart, and Weber especially impressed him. But opera was not the only important music Berlioz encountered. In 1828, he heard for the first time several of Beethoven's symphonies performed by a full orchestra. The effect was immediate and electric. Beethoven opened for me a new world of music, Berlioz recalled. 
Even while he was absorbing music everywhere he could, Berlioz was making strides in his own composing. Filled with ambition, he wrote a full-scale opera, Les Francs Juges, whose fine overture still turns up on orchestral programs. Another notable work from his students' years was a concert overture inspired by Sir Walter Scott's novel, Waverley. Berlioz already had embraced the notion that music should ally itself to literary subjects. Thanks in part to his advocacy, this idea would become a cardinal principle among musicians most closely tied to the spirit of the Romantic movement, such as Liszt, Wagner, and Strauss. It was during these early years in Paris that Berlioz first took up the profession that would support him for the larger part of three decades, that of music critic. But the most important event of his student years was his simultaneous discovery of Shakespeare and a captivating English actress named Harriet Smithson. This was, in Berlioz's words, the supreme drama of my life. Since Berlioz was a tireless writer of letters, memoirs, and articles, we can read much of this story in his own words. In 1827, when he was 24, a troupe of English actors visited Paris and presented a season of plays by Shakespeare. Berlioz knew almost no English, but nonetheless he attended a performance of Hamlet given by the British company. He not only recognized the profound nature of the drama being depicted, but he was equally struck by the actress playing the role of Ophelia, Harriet Smithson. As the composer relates in his memoirs, the impression made on my heart and mind by her extraordinary talent, nay, her dramatic genius, was equaled only by the havoc wrought in me by the poet she so nobly interpreted. That is all I can say. In fact, Berlioz could and did say...